Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. And, and so now we're going to go to John chapter 20, verse 31. This has been our overarching verse. Would you read it with your best 1115 voice? Here we go. But these are, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, you can try to find life in the world. Let me just help you. I can save you five years of pain right here if you pay attention. You can look for life in the world, and you'll come up empty-handed every time. There's all kinds of people looking for hope and health and life in the, in the junkyards of our world. They think you're going to find it through some kind of relationship with somebody, or you're going to find it in the bottom of a bottle, or you're going to find it because of some drug you can smoke, and it'll change your, it'll change your aura and your presence. It may change your freedom. You might get incarcerated if you use certain kind of drugs. I mean, you, you might find it, you know, horsepower or speed or buying property or having a big bank account. I mean, you could look for life everywhere. But notice what John says. We have found life by believing in Jesus Christ above all else. Now, I want to ask you a question today. You're in church, so it's okay. Safe place. You don't need to respond, but how often do you doubt? I mean, let's think about this. I was talking to somebody recently. They're having a hard time getting their mind wrapped around that a virgin Mary could have a child without sex. I'm quoting them. They said, you know, Pastor, it's kind of, I have a struggle. I said, what's your struggle? Christmas. I said, yeah, my struggle too. They had all Christmas decorations in July in the stores. That's been my struggle. No, no, no. He said, I have a struggle believing that God could be born through a virgin teenager who didn't have sex. I thought, okay, I understand that. That could be an element of doubt, could it not? How about this one? That that little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes would rise up and read from the Torah in the synagogue. Think about that. Or how about this? That that little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes would rise up and be a perfect and pure man. Tempted in every way like we are, but never succumbed to sin. And that that perfect and pure man, as we saw a few weeks ago, would get on a cross, give of his life for us, and say, it is finished. You can't add to this. You can't subtract from this. This is a new covenant in my blood. And then, on top of it, to believe that three days later, his heart will all of a sudden start beating again. Here's something I thought of this week. Maybe you've thought of it. You guys are so smart. But that Jesus Christ is on the cross. His heart is beating. They've pierced his hands and his side, and his blood is pouring out. It's pouring out. He shed his blood for us. Isn't that theology? Come on. Yeah. He shed his blood for us. Now think about this. When God restarts his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, He had to put new blood in him because he'd have no blood pressure. He couldn't walk around, could he? So God recreated blood to be in the veins of Jesus and somehow in three days closed up his wounds enough that the blood could flow, but a doubter named Thomas could still stick his hands 
in his wounds and in his side. I just find this incredibly amazing. But it's our story. It's our story. Hello? Come in. It's our story, and billions of people believe in Jesus. Have you ever doubted? Have you ever prayed and you didn't hear anything back, and so you doubted? Have you ever asked God to change someone in your family? Maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your grandson, maybe your granddaughter. Have you ever asked God to to, to change a situation in your life, and maybe it didn't happen right away? And you sang like today, yes, I will, yes, I will. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And you're having a hard time raising a hallelujah. Well, his name was Doubting Thomas, and he encountered Caring Christ, the Caring Christ. This is the scene that we're going to look at today. And number one, I know you've been waiting a long time to write things down. Some of you people, my pen's ready to go. The fear-filled followers can find fresh faith in Christ. Fear-filled followers can find fresh faith in Christ. Uh, take that home and say it fast to yourself, right? Fear-filled followers. You ever been fear-filled? Well, in John chapter 20, we find some fear-filled followers of Jesus Christ. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood where? And what did he say? Peace be with you. Now, this phrase, he stood among them, is a Greek word that describes the unseen arrival. They don't see him arriving, but then they see him in their midst. So this word implies we didn't see him coming, but once he was there, we saw him. Just think about it. Didn't see him coming. So now they're all huddled in the mass for fear of the Jews, right? They're going to die next. We just know it. We're going to die. Everything's horrible. Days are dark. Jesus is gone. The kingdom will never be like we want it. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he said, let me paraphrase, can I? Hey, peace, everybody. And like uh, Jeff said when he came out, peace, everybody, what's up? And pretty soon they go, wait, ooh, we didn't see you, but now you're here among us. And after he said this, what did he do? He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were, come on. It's okay. You have it up there? Yeah, the disciples were what? Overjoyed. Why wouldn't they be? They were not convinced that he would rise on the third day, even though he told them. Fear had gripped their hearts, and fear makes it impossible to be faith-filled. Fear causes us to lock ourselves in. Fear causes us to, to have a spiritual atrophy and not move forward. In John 20, verse 19, The New Century uh, Version says Jesus came and stood right in the very middle of them. You know what Jesus does? He comes in the middle of our lives. He stands in the middle of our careers, our education, our parenting, our grandparenting. He stands in the middle of our aging. I looked in the mirror the other morning, and I said, "Uh, Bernie. Bernie didn't talk back, but I said, Bernie, you're not 25 anymore. Yeah. I looked again. I, I didn't have my glasses on. You're not 25 anymore. Yeah, he comes in the middle of our aging. He comes in the middle of our retirement. He comes in the middle of our deployment, our military deployments. He comes in the middle of Lompoc in Santa Barbara County. He comes in the middle of evil and darkness. 
He comes in the middle of San Diego and what went on yesterday. He comes in the middle of Saugus and Santa Clarita and what went on this past week. He comes in the middle of darkness. He comes in the middle of fear-filled people. And here's what he says, John 20, 19, peace be with you. Now, if I was Jesus, I would have been critical. I would have said, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you afraid? You were with me when we fed the multitudes. I gave you baskets of fish and loaves, and you watched the fish and loaves multiply. I was right there. How come you're afraid? I told you I'd rise again from the dead. What are you doing, scaredy cats? Would anybody say that? What would you have done if you were Jesus? You know, would you hit somebody upside the head? Come on. Would you ridicule? No, no, no. He walks in the middle and isn't critical one iota. You know what he says? Peace be with you. He understood their fear. I love this about Jesus. He understood their emotions. He understood their spiritual state. He understood that criticism was not the order of the moment. That that speaking peace and reconciling people, because that's what Jesus does best. He puts people back together again. I don't know if you ever read the theological dissertation of Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, and he trusted that wall. And then Humpty Dumpty, come on this side over here, Humpty Dumpty had a, and all the, and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty Back together, but the king can. Come on. Not the horses, not the men, but the king of kings could. Now, if you read on page 35 of the theological dissertation of Humpty Dumpty, you will find out that Humpty Dumpty was pushed. There was two Jewish boys behind the wall. I was raised as a Jewish kid. I know about our mischief. And excuse me for saying this, Humpty was kind of big, and he had a big tuchus. That's a Mexican Spanish word for rear end, glutamus maximus, tuchus. Actually, it's a Yiddish word. And they, they, they looked at Humpty's tuchus from the backside of the wall, and they said, man, this dude's got back. And... And so they put their shoulders in it, and they knocked Humpty over. And he just, boom, smashed and broke apart. You know what Jesus does? He comes to the middle of our broken pieces, and he puts us back together again. And write this down, would you please? Jesus brings the gift of peace. Shalom, peace, unity. He speaks to the brokenness of humanity, and he says, I bring you my peace. I love what the old preacher of yesteryear, Charles Spurgeon, said. He said, when Jesus came in the midst of the disciples, he didn't bring them a new thought. He didn't bring them a new philosophical discovery. He didn't bring them a new doctrine or a profound mystery. What he brought was himself. The Prince of Peace, Spurgeon said, spoke the word of peace to the broken hearts of men. The Prince of Peace spoke the word of peace to the broken heart of men, and all he did was reveal himself. My peace I, I, I give to you. In John 20, verse 21 and 22, Jesus said, Peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, I am, 
I am sending you. By the way, they needed peace. You know why? Because of the next command. I'm sending you. Who is he sending? Let's think about it. Look at the scene. He's sending people that are locked in a room for fear of their lives. Wouldn't you have sought the most courageous people, the loudest people, the most extroverted, bold people? No, he seeks people that are in the dark, who are living in fear, and he says, listen, I can use you because I'm going to call you, and if I call you, I'm going to enable you, and I'm going to bring to you, write this down, Jesus gives the gift of power. He brings the gift of power to them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. Don't just go on your own. Receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you into the world. This is the miracle of the risen Christ to bring peace. This is the miracle of the risen Christ to call people like you and me that have been transformed by his love and grace and say, I'm sending you into a world that desperately needs to know who you are. There's no elaborate service. They didn't have the organ playing loud. They didn't have somebody running around the stage with, a, with flags or tambourines. He just says, look, you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he breathed on them. He breathed on them. He exhaled so they might inhale. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. The same breath that God breathed into the dirt to create man. The, 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 the same breath that God has breathed into the life of Jesus when he was in the tomb. I am breathing life into you. I'm empowering to do what you cannot do on your own. This last Tuesday morning, uh, some of our staff, we just did this little outreach on our own. We, we went over to City Hall in the courtyard. And if you remember Tuesday morning, the day after Veterans Day, it was kind of foggy and cold. About 7.45, 8 o'clock, uh, we set up over there with uh, fresh coffee and hot water and tea bags and honey and a bunch of donut holes. And I got to tell you what, about 8 o'clock or so, people going into the courthouse, they're coming over, and this, this one lady had a 90-pound manila envelope in her hand. Pastor, how do you know it was 90 pounds? Because she was walking like this, going to court. Turns out later she had a warrant for her arrest. And she went to go see the judge, and she took care of it. By the way, if you ever have a warrant, deal with it right away. And she came walking out smiling. The judge was good to her. And I said, how did it go? I didn't even have to pay a fine, she said. I said, good for you. Now can I have some donuts? She ate donut after donut after donut. And then at 9 o'clock, when City Hall opened up, some of our wonderful city of Lompoc employees came over and got some co uh, coffee and some tea and you know what? As they were coming over, people from the county assessor's office, people from the police station were coming over. You know what I said? Lord, Lord, we can do acts of kindness, but would you somehow fill us with your spirit so they'll feel Jesus in every cup, that they'll feel Jesus in every ounce of sugar that they eat, that they'll feel Jesus from our hearts, that somehow we would represent you well. See, your neighbors are desperate for an authentic representation of Jesus Christ living in and through your life. They're desperate for it. Our world is, our country is desperate for Christ being lived in and through people. And you might say, well, you know, what side of the aisle are you on? I'm right down the middle of the aisle, right? Because that's where you can run and preach down the middle of the aisle, right? 
I want to make sure that people know that we love Jesus, that we stand for Jesus. A few weeks ago, somebody came to this church and they said, my friend told me if I came here, you guys could tell me how to find God. Absolutely. You know how you find God? You find him through Jesus. No man comes to the Father, no woman comes to the Father except through the Son. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. She said, wow, my friend was right. You could tell me how to come to Jesus. Absolutely. Not that it's by works, but it's by the finished work of the cross, and we believe in Jesus Christ. That's why in John 14, 27, Jesus made this promise. I'm leaving you with the gift. The gift is what? Peace of mind and, boy, don't we need that? Come on. Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Again, you can't find it out there. You can look all day. You will not find it, I promise. But you can find it in Christ. So do not be troubled or do not be afraid. The second thing is, doubters and sincere seekers are welcomed by Jesus. Now, some of you are real analytical. You want to really study. You want to know for sure, for sure. You want to know in your knower, whatever your knower is, that you know that Christ is the Savior, that Christ is God. And Jesus doesn't push Thomas aside. Actually, what we find in John 20, verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So earlier I said they were all in this room locked in, lights were off, they were afraid for their lives, and you want to know what? Thomas is not there. We don't know where Thomas was. He might have been off in the hills some, somewhere so afraid and so doubtful, he didn't even want to be with the rest of the disciples. But in this second part of the story, he encounters the disciples and they tell him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, here's what he said, so what? So what? Like you tell somebody, I've been with Jesus, I prayed and I felt the presence of God. So what? Unless... What's he say? I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side. I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked a second time, second time, a week later, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And what does he say? What else is he going to say? Peace be with you. And he looks at Thomas, and he says, hey, Thomas, come here. Come here. Now, Thomas hadn't been with Jesus yet. But Jesus somehow knows, because he knows. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. Come on. Jesus knows everything, and Jesus speaks into Thomas's heart. Isn't this great? Listen, whatever you're facing today, Jesus knows exactly what it is and how you feel. Maybe you've not told a friend, a spouse. You've not told a soul. It's just something you carry deep within yourself. And Jesus knows, get this, exactly what it is. And he says to Thomas, hey, Thomas, why don't you check my hands out? And Thomas has to be thinking to himself, how does he know? Check my hands out. Feel it. By the way, and Jesus lifts up his robe and said, would you, would you, would you put your hand in my side where they lunge the spear? Would you feel the deep wound? And Thomas says, hmm, seeing is believing, but feeling is trusting. 
and he trusts in the evidence that the Lord has presented to him. And what does Jesus say? You stop doubting now and start believing. Boy, I wish Jesus would audibly say that to so many in our world today. Stop doubting and start believing. And what, is, what, what happens here? Thomas said to him, would you say these words? My, is it there? Yeah, my Lord and, come on. Let me say it again. My Lord and my. This is the only time in the Gospels that Jesus is called God. The thief on the cross said, I believe you are the Son of God. But this is the only time that somebody says, my Lord and my God, and calls Jesus God. This was a radical, radical revelation for Thomas to be able to say this in his life and in his heart. Those who've not seen and yet believe, it goes on to say, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have, who are they? Us. We weren't there when they crucified Christ. We weren't there when he rose again from the dead. And people who question God, who wonder about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, are never pushed aside. Rather, they're welcome. Jesus' response was, Thomas, you come and touch me. In other words, whatever you need to believe in me, go for it. And listen, I want to say to any of you that are doubters or skeptical, don't you dare withhold your questions from Jesus. Ask him. Look into heaven and say, God, I need you to tell me about it. I need you to show me this. Don't you dare stop reading the Bible. Keep searching the scriptures because if you seek him, you will find him. And so in Acts 2, Peter stands up. There are still people today who doubt that Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. I think Acts 2 just really helps us to have great faith. Why? Because he said, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Now he's standing up in a church setting. He's saying, hey, everybody, the Lord is not decayed. He's resurrected from the dead. God has raised this Jesus life. And I could hear in my mind, amen. Amen. John says, amen. Thomas. Amen, Peter. I touched him. Some of you saw him, but I put my finger in his holes, the holes of his hand. I put my hand in the side where the pierced spear had gone in and pierced his side. Wow. And God had raised Jesus to life. And we are all what? Witnesses of it. Now, by the way, if they had stolen the body of Jesus, don't you think they would have brought him from the back door on a stretcher? Don't you think the Pilate's men would have brought him in? The ones that crucified him would have said, hey, Peter, you're a blasphemer. Jesus is dead. He's not alive at all. Look at him. Here's his body. How many remember him? Nobody. Why? Because Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He couldn't be shown in that way. Exalted to the right hand of God. He's ascended to God. And he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. Isn't this beautiful? He tells his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter tells us Jesus himself received the Holy Spirit. What caused Jesus to rise on the third day? The Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power recreated the blood that would be inside his veins. That same power would cause the heart to beat again. He didn't need a clear, boom, shock him. 
No AED was found. Just the Word and the heart and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we can only believe that the 120 who were there from the upper room that were listening to Peter say, yeah, we received the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. Come on. Hey, when was the last time they felt any kind of wind? John 20, when they were locked in the room, it says, Jesus breathed on them. And I wonder how many of them thought. I just wonder how many thought, hey, hey, guys, you feel the wind? Yeah. Does this remind you of Jesus blowing on us? Yeah. What was the wind for? Receive the Holy Spirit. And now they were filled, and the whole house where they were sitting was filled And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came into rest on each of them. And all of them were filled, come on, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit empowered them and enabled them. They were able to do something supernatural they couldn't do on their own. They couldn't fabricate. They couldn't mimic. It was the Holy Spirit empowering their lives to do something they couldn't do. So rather than debate whether or not are there gifts for today, which I believe there are, Is there a Holy Spirit empowerment for his people today? Absolutely. I believe that a thousand percent. We should be those who rise up every day and say, God, may my life give you glory today. Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh? Would you fall on me? Would you use me today as I serve where I work, as I live in my neighborhood, as I take care of my family, as I serve my country, whatever it is you're about that day to say, Holy Spirit, Fill me in such a way that people around me would know there's something different about me, that Christ lives in me, the hope of glory is inside of my life. That's why in Acts 1.8, Jesus said these words, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jerusalem is where they live. That's their Lompoc. That's their Mission Hills, Mesa Oaks, Vandenberg Village. That's their Buellton. That's their Vandenberg Air Force Base. That's where they lived. And then Judea would be like Santa Barbara County. And Samaria would be like the USA. And then the ends of the world. That geographically there would be an epicenter inside their souls that would start to shake and quake. And pretty soon their revival would go out to where they live and their surrounding areas. And the world would be changed because of them. And there are billions with a B billions of people today who believe in the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the call to love and serve our neighbors is not a self-empowering calling, but a spirit-empowered calling. Your kids are learning today, if you have children in Kids United, about how to be grateful and why should we be grateful. One of the learning groups I was over there watching, one of the learning groups had a blanket And the leader of that group said, hey, is anybody thankful for a blanket? And one little girl, yeah, it keeps me warm at night. Another girl said, when I watch cartoons, I wrap myself in my blanket. So if your kids tell you they didn't learn anything, or you ask them, what did you learn today? And they say, I don't know. You tell them, I learned what you learned about, that you're to be grateful for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. And if you're a parent, guardian, grandma, grandpa, you should look in their eyes and say, what are you grateful for? If they say nothing, you should say, how about me? Huh? I'm better than a blanket. 
Yeah, I'm better than a teddy bear. That was another group. They were showing a little teddy bear. They were learning about what it means to be grateful for what God has done. And we should be grateful for the salvation of Christ, for the resurrection of Christ, and for being filled by the Spirit of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, after that he appeared to more than how many? 500 brothers and sisters. So here's Christ, hundreds and hundreds of people who've seen him in his resurrected state, and it changed the way that they lived. There was no corpse, just people who had seen Jesus. And Jesus says, touch me, try me, taste and see if I'm not good. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, taste and see. Look for him, find him, seek him. And if you're going through a situation right now that's holding you back or causing you to be stuck, Jesus Christ is in the middle of your life, and here's what he's saying, peace be with you. Let's say it, peace be with you, because that's what Jesus says. Yeah. John 20, 28, and Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. When was the last time you said that, my Lord and my God? We're going to pray in just a moment, and we're going to sing a song before we leave today, uh, some of our team's coming back to help me with that. And I just want you to think about the fact that we need to declare afresh, you're my Lord, you're my God. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed. Don't lock yourself up in fear and say, I'm just afraid to tell anybody about my faith. I'm just, or maybe you've been going through emotions a long time. You love God, he loves you, okay? When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh? Fill me in such a way that you can use me, that you can empower me in a supernatural way to do things I can't do on my own, that you could infuse my love in such a way that in my family, they'll sense a, a, just a freshness about my life and they'll know who I am, that I stand for you and I live for you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.